Welcome to this message from Eastwood Baptist Church, one church with two locations in Bowling Green and Alberton, Kentucky. To learn more, visit eastwoodbc.org. Now, may the Lord bless you in the hearing of His Holy Word. Life, if you've lived very long, you realize it's full of hurdles, amen? Lots of hurdles. And when it comes to overcoming hurdles, you only have four options. You either go over them, you go under them, you go around them, or you go through them. It doesn't really matter how you get on the other side of them as long as you get to the other side. Isn't that true for life? Doesn't matter what that hurdle is. You've got four options. Over, under, around, or through them. That's true for life. But you know what? That's not actually true for actual hurdles in track and field. That is not true. You know, somebody um, a long time ago, you know, when they, when they thought that one up, they said, you know what, there is only one way to go over these hurdles. You must go how? Over them. If you go under them, guess what happens? Disqualified. If you go around them, disqualified. If you go through them, disqualified. And somebody should have told this guy in this video. Check it out. I wonder if he'd ever run hurdles in his life. I mean, my goodness. You know, I, I know the officials did not appreciate, and the guys running the next lane to him did not appreciate his way of getting through those hurdles. But I can appreciate that, especially as a football lineman, right? Back in the day, let's just run through them. I don't like that over stuff. Let's just run through them, okay? I can appreciate it, though, because he had one goal in mind, right? He was going to get to that goal line. And he tried to go over them, but when he couldn't go over them, he said, you know what? I'm just going to run through these bad boys. And so when a hurdle presented himself between him and the finish line, he did not let it stop him. When he went and couldn't go over it, he went through it. And so as we continue talking about evangelism this morning, I can't help but think that that you and I need a little bit of that guy in us when it comes to evangelism. Yeah, hurdles are going to pop up, right? That's not the question. If you've ever tried to share Jesus with somebody, there's always going to be some kind of hurdle, either in you or in them or in the context that you're trying to share. So the question is not, will hurdles pop up? The question is, so what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do to get through those hurdles? Are you going to let them stop you? Or are you going to be victorious over those hurdles by going over them, under them, around them, or through them. Here's today's takeaway that I want you to walk out of here with from Eastwood Baptist Church, and it's this. Let nothing stand in the way of you sharing the gospel with somebody. Let nothing stand in your way. Let's pray together. Fathers, we look at our text today, and as we try to get a message, Lord, that we can take and live out, this is a very, very practical message because it gets to the very root of whether or not we're going to do evangelism. We can talk about it all day, but the question is, are we actually going to do it? And so we've got some hurdles to get over this morning, so I pray that you would help us in doing that. 
Father, I'm so thankful that there were people in my life that did not let a hurdle stop them from sharing Jesus with me. And praise God that in 1997 you saved me by the power of the gospel. And you can do that in the lives of people all around us. Father, may we have a little bit of that track and field dude in us this morning and let nothing stand in our way of sharing Jesus with somebody. It's in Jesus' name we ask this. And all God's people said, amen. So if you're, if you're not going to let anything stand in your way sharing the gospel with somebody, it would be good to understand what could stand in your way, all right? So that brings me to my first question this morning. And here's the first question. What are some common hurdles? What are some common hurdles? I, I want to point you to three. And we could come with a bigger list than these, but these are probably the big three. The three that we primarily struggle with. The first common hurdle is what we would call desire. Do we really want people to be saved? You may find yourself, if this is your hurdle, then you may find yourself that you're not all that concerned about where your friends will spend eternity. Where your co-workers, your family, your neighbors might spend eternity. If you were honest with yourself, I know it's not the Sunday school answer, but if you were honest with yourself, it doesn't really bother you to know that those who die without saving Christ will, will consciously pay for their sins forevermore in hell. You've forgotten what it's like to be lost. And I'm not here to jump on you or to hit you over the head this morning. But it's easy for us to do that. Maybe you've been saved for so long that you have forgotten what it was like to be lost. And you need to recapture that, not only the, what it was like to be lost, but to recapture the joy of your salvation. You very seldom, if all, pray for lost people to come to know Christ. And so just people are, are getting saved. It's just low on your priority list. Again, you would never admit this, but your life bears out this truth. So on a scale of 1 to 10 right now, don't say it out loud, but maybe write it on your paper or say it in yourself. With one being low and ten being high, where would you rate your desire to share the gospel? Be honest with yourself. Where would you rate your desire from one to ten to share the gospel? As I think about examples, the Apostle Paul often told us to be imitators of him as he imitates Christ. You think about where did Paul land on this continuum between one is like not very desirous to unbelievably desirous. He was actually 11 on the 10-point scale. In fact, he told us in Romans 9. In Romans 9, um, verse 3, he said this. He said, For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. In other words, he said, I desire so much for them to be saved that I would be willing to go to hell myself if it would mean my kinsmen, my people, my friends, my neighbors going to heaven. That's the kind of desire that you and I need to have. A second common hurdle is the hurdle of confidence. The hurdle of confidence. With this hurdle, you really do desire to see people saved. But fear gets in the way. You're afraid of what people might think. Um, you're afraid of how this could damage your relationship with that person. You're afraid that you might mess up. You lack confidence in God. You lack confidence in your knowledge of the gospel. You lack confidence in your translation or your transmission or your presentation of the gospel. You lack 
confidence in answering questions because you don't know what they're going to say back to you. You're not sure. You're not ready for the rebuttals of the questions that might come up. You maybe even lack confidence in the way that you live your life. You see, one of the ways, and we're going to talk about this in a moment, that evangelism is spiritual warfare. Before you ever even get into the battle, the devil begins to whisper in your ear, who do you think you are going to tell this person how to be saved? And so maybe this morning your confidence is, you, you, lack, you lack confidence in yourself because you're, you're not really living the life that you think you should be living. You struggle with following God sometimes, so how could you tell somebody else to do it? So on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being the lowest and 10 being the highest, where would you rate your confidence in sharing the gospel this morning? Be honest with yourself. Where would you rate it? A third common hurdle is the hurdle of opportunity. The hurdle of opportunity. In other words, you want to share the gospel. You may even feel good about sharing the gospel. But you just find yourself that you struggle to be around people who don't know Jesus. You're kind of locked in this Christian bubble, whether it's intentional or not. You're around Christians so much that you don't really have relationships with anybody who's lost. You don't have any friends who are far from God. You, 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 all your family's saved. All your neighbors seem to be saved. Your life is just sort of a Christian bubble. And if you're honest with yourself, you probably don't make a lot of effort to get outside of that Christian bubble. All right? So there's that hurdle, that hurdle of opportunity. Again, if you were to rate that on a scale of 1 to 10, where would you rate your opportunity to share the gospel between 1 and 10? Now I want you to look at all three for a moment. I'm going to ask you to raise your hands on this. Who here would say that their biggest hurdle is desire? Anybody? All right. Amen. All right. Praise God. Don't be ashamed. There's no wrong answer here. <laughs> We're not taking notes. Ian, Ian, our lead deacon here, is not taking notes. Don't worry. <laughs> All right. <laughs> How many of you guys would say that your biggest hurdle, raise of hands, is confidence? All right. And how many of you this morning would say that your biggest hurdle is opportunity? That's the one that I would fall in. All right. Awesome. Well, if desire is your biggest hurdle, then I want to point you back to the message I preached on October 6th. That's kind of when we addressed that. Um, that's where we dealt with why it's so important for you to share the gospel ASAP. Why it's so crucial for you to get that good news out. That you care for that person and what they're going to face if you don't. All right, Because ultimately desire comes from a heart of love and compassion. It comes also from a desire to be obedient to God. And I said that morning uh, on October 6th, I said, uh, I said evangelism is not optional for the obedient Christian, all right? So love compels you. The command of God compels you. Go back and check out that message again. Listen to it again and ask God to give you that desire. It's our responsibility to go share that gospel. But if you said that your opportunity, uh, that if opportunity is your biggest hurdle, then here's what you got to do. You have to strategize. You have to plan to make the opportunity for yourself, all right? Work to get outside that Christian bubble. Schedule times for evangelism. You say, well, that sounds like something preachers would do. No, no, no. That's something that we all should do. We should all schedule. If, if, it, if it doesn't come naturally for you, how do you get it into your life? You schedule it. You set a goal. I want to share the gospel with at least one person today. How many of you guys think that if you set a goal of, of sharing Jesus in some form or fashion, 
with one person a day. How many of you guys think that you could do that? Yeah? Good. You could. All of you could. All of you could. Take whatever opportunities you have during the day. You don't always have to go through the full message, right? Take that opportunity at the restaurant or at the gas station or at the football game. And work to develop relationships with people who are not Christians. They're there all around you. I promise you they are. You just got to find them. You have to be intentional since opportunity doesn't come to you as naturally as it does others. Now, so the rest of you are like, man, we are, I'm around lost people all the time. All right? You've got plenty of opportunity. So for many Christians, then the hurdle isn't desire. And it's not opportunity. It's what it was for this room. The most people raised their hands when I said, is your hurdle confidence? You see, you want to see people come to Christ. And you have lots of opportunities in your life. You see it all around you. But for some reason, that hurdle of confidence this morning is the thing which is holding you back. And you only have four options. Get over the hurdle. Get under the hurdle. Get around the hurdle. Or go through the hurdle. That's what I want to focus on today, okay? We're going to focus on the second question then for the rest of our time. How do I overcome the hurdle of confidence. That's what we're going to focus on. The hurdle of confidence. So, and I pray, man, I, again, this, is the, this, this was the one overwhelmingly the majority of the folks here at Eastwood South Campus this morning said, this is my hurdle. So I pray this will be especially helpful to us as a church body. You see, in the early church, detailed in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit fell on the church, they began to share the gospel like crazy. Like crazy. Every opportunity they got. And that didn't sit well with the Jewish leaders who had just crucified Jesus. Right? Or they just put the leader to death and they thought it would die. And so here these are, these followers, these disciples, these apostles coming and sharing Jesus with people. And they didn't like it. Well, one day Peter and John, they healed this crippled man on the way to the temple. And it stirred up such a fuss because this was a dude who was in his 50s. Who had never been able to walk. And here he is able to walk. And everybody's like... Isn't that the dude that used to sit and beg by the beautiful gate going to the temple? And they all said, that's him. And so it, 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 it caused a stir. It, it gathered a crowd. And so Peter and, and John, when that crowd gathered, they didn't just say, yeah, we healed him. God healed him. They then began to preach Jesus. So they were sharing that Jesus was raised from the dead and that through Jesus we can have victory over death and be resurrected ourselves in this group of Sadducees. Heard all of this, it, it infuriated them. They were talking about the resurrection. If there's one thing that set the Sadducees apart as a religious group, it was that they did not believe that resurrection was possible, that resurrection was biblical. But here these people are preaching resurrection, and people were believing on Jesus and were getting saved. And so what did they do? They said, we have to shut them up, y'all. So they had them arrested and they had them held overnight. And so the next day, Peter and John, they stood before the Jewish leaders there. And they began to question them about what they had done and said. And Peter and John, they made it clear that they healed the man by the authority of Jesus, by the power of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And when they began to share with them that, they then quickly positioned and transitioned to the gospel. They said, yeah, we healed him. And you can be healed spiritually in the name of Jesus. And they were astonished at Peter and John. 
But they weren't convinced. (laughs) They wanted to shut them up. And so with threats and warnings, they commanded Peter and John to no longer preach or teach in the name of Jesus. And then they let them go because they had no reason to hold them, to punish them or to hold them any longer. And so Peter and John, after that experience, and you can just imagine, just put yourself in their shoes for a moment. The people who had just crucified through an unjust court found Jesus guilty who was not guilty, he was innocent, but had found Jesus guilty and then had crucified him. These are the people that they were just called before and asked to give an account. And then they were threatened to no longer speak in the name of Jesus. So you can imagine, yeah, they spoke boldly in the moment, but they were shaken a little bit. They were shaken a little bit. So they went back to their friends, back to the other Christians there. And that's where we get our text at today. That's where we start today in Acts chapter 4. Verses 21, uh, 23 through 31. Beloved, this is where we're going to find help with our confidence. How to overcome the hurdle of confidence? Well, let's look at what our text has to say. I'm going to invite you to stand to honor the reading of the Word of God this morning. This is Acts chapter 4, verse 23 through 31. The Word of God says this. It says, when Peter and John were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with what, church? Boldness. Let's pray. God, in the name of Jesus, that's what we want. We want boldness. We want confidence. We know that there is a lost and dying world and we want to see them saved. But, Father, we are so scared to tell them about you. To tell them about your son. And so God I pray today by the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus. That this people right here this morning. Would leave from here emboldened. God courageous. Confident. To go share Jesus. Father we love you. And we ask that you move in our midst. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and grab your seat if you would. So. As we see here, although Peter and John, although they acted boldly in the moment while they were in custody, it it seems to me that they were a bit shaken. They were a bit shaken, right? As they told their story to the brethren, the brethren, they became shaken too. Their confidence began to waver, all right? And so what did they do? In the text, we see what they did. They began to pray. Now write this down if you're taking notes. This is important this morning. It's not in your notes. You've got to write this one down. Prayer is the key to confidence, right? Prayer is the key 
to confidence. Here in our text, they overcame the hurdle of confidence through prayer. Prayer. Prayer is the key. Beloved, prayer is one of the most important tools that you have in your evangelism toolbox. And so as we break down their prayer, I, I, I see four R's here to their prayer that are instructive for you and for me to help us overcome this hurdle of confidence. And I pray that you're going to be greatly helped today. Let nothing stand in the way of you sharing the gospel with somebody. First, as you pray for confidence, you need to realize that evangelism is spiritual warfare. We've got to get that right in our heads. Have you ever wondered why evangelism is so hard? Why is it that you are so scared oftentimes when you get the opportunity to share the gospel? This is why. Because it is a battle. Evangelism is a spiritual battle between the forces of darkness and the forces of light. And you are about to enter that battle when the opportunity comes to you to share Jesus. Now, whether that comes to the forefront of your mind, you may not realize it's a battle, but it's a battle. The enemy knows it. He begins to whisper in your ear how you don't know enough, how you ain't Christian enough, how you're not ready, how that person will eat you alive if you say anything. Why does the enemy do that? Because in the act of evangelism, you are seeking to take back the territory that sin, death, and the devil stole. So you better believe they're not going to sit idly by and just let you take it back. They're going to put up a fight. And whether, that, and whether that enters into the forefront of your mind or not, your spirit knows it. Your spirit intuitively knows it. And they begin to bluster and they begin to threat and tirade, sometimes even physically, right? Just like they did here. Here in the book of Acts. And before we know it, whether it's happening in front of us or inside of us, Fear rises. We're trembling. Our confidence is shocked. Beloved, evangelism is spiritual warfare. And if you don't realize that, you won't be ready. You won't be ready to share Jesus with somebody. You don't go into it half-hearted, right? We would never send a soldier into battle without him realizing he's about to be in a battle. And so you need to realize it. Look with me at Acts 4. 24 through 26. They noticed it in their prayers. This aspect of spiritual warfare. Look what they said. They began to pray, O sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit. Look what it says here. Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot against him in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed so, beloved, there's going to be opposition. There's going to be a battle. The forces of this world will engage you. They're not going to sit idly by, like I said, and let you just take the territory. They're going to plot. They're going to scheme. They're going to stand together and oppose you and God and the things of God. So don't be surprised. You've got to be ready for this. That's why God instructs you and me through the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 13. Look at what he says. He says, finally be strong in the Lord. And, and we often just think about this in life. We need to think about this in the terms of evangelism, right? Think about this in terms of evangelism. Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. 
For we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. He goes on to tell us, we've got all sorts of tools in our hands, all sorts of armors in our toolbox. He says we've got truth. We've got righteousness, we've got readiness to share the gospel, uh, we've got uh, faith, we've got salvation, we've even got the Bible itself, but you don't put on the armor unless you're expecting a battle. So I just want to raise your awareness right now that when you begin to do evangelism, you are stepping into the battle, so you better be armed up and ready to go, man. Pray it up, pray it up. Realize it's warfare and put on the armor and run into the fray. Second, as you pray for confidence, here's the second thing you need to do, and this is so important, is to rest in God's sovereignty. Rest in God's sovereignty. I say to you this morning, beloved, do you believe that God is almighty? Do you believe that? Do you believe that God is in control? Yeah then you and I need to rest in God's sovereignty. You see, that's what these early Christians did. Yeah, their fear was rising up, but look who they cried out to. Look who they called on in Acts 4.24. Who did they address their prayer to? They didn't cry out to Father God. They cried out to Sovereign Lord. In Greek, that's just one word, despotes, from which we get our English word despot. Now, in English, that kind of has a connotation of somebody who's a tyrant. But it actually is just simply a person with absolute power, absolute authority, and that is God. That's God. He's all-powerful. He has all the authority in the world to do whatever he wills to do, and he is in control. You ever been in a situation where you want to share the gospel, but all of a sudden you are resting in your own strength, and you determine that you're not strong enough to do it? I've been there, man. I have been there more times than I can count. Hugh Latimer. Hugh Latimer was a 16th century English preacher, Oxford professor, and a reformer. And he had the opportunity to preach before the king of England, the infamous King Henry VIII. He began to preach, and he preached his whole message. And by the end of it, Henry was upset. He was mad. He was greatly displeased by the boldness and some of the things that Latimer had said in his sermon. And so he sent word to Latimer, come back and preach again next Sunday, but be ready to apologize for all the ways that you offended me this week. (laughs) And so the next Sunday, after reading the text, after reading the message that the king had sent, here's how Latimer began his sermon the next week before the king. Here's what he said. He said, Hugh Latimer... Dost thou know before whom thou art this day to speak? To the high and mighty monarch, the king's most excellent majesty, who can take away thy life if thou offendest. Therefore take heed that thou speakest not a word that may displease. But he didn't stop there. He said, but then consider well, Hugh. Dost thou not know from whence thou comest, upon whose message thou art sent? Even by the great and mighty God who is all present and who beholdeth all thy ways and who is able to cast thy soul into hell. 
Therefore take care that thou deliverest thy message faithfully. And you know what he did? He preached the same message he preached last week. Except this time with more boldness, with more energy. And you know what? The king didn't kill him. <laughs> so often we're so fearful. We're afraid. We, we say, man, I, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what they're going to say. And so we back off in fear. But God is in control. God is in control. Latimer realized this, right? He has a higher power that he's serving. And so when that evangelistic encounter comes your way, guys, you don't have to be scared. You don't have to be scared. You're not alone. The sovereign God of the universe is there with you. You need not worry about pleasing anybody else but him. But you might say, but preacher, I don't have confidence in myself. You know what my answer is? Good. Don't put your confidence in yourself. Put your confidence in God. Can you have confidence in almighty God, sovereign God? What's the answer, church? Yes, amen, every single day, every single hour. You better believe that you can put your confidence in God, and you should. Plus, it's not your job to convert anybody anyway. Your job is merely to share the good news. It's God's job to convert them and to save them. You cannot convert anybody. It's a sovereign act of grace. So rest in God's sovereignty. Rest in God's sovereignty as you share. And then rest in God's sovereignty as you get out of the way and let God do the work of conversion. So when it comes to evangelism, you need to memorize these four simple words. Four of the most important words that you will ever need when it comes to evangelism. God, I trust you. Those are the four words that you need to memorize and you need to constantly pray. God will provide the sovereign God, the despotes of the universe is with you. Put your confidence in God who is sovereign. Third, as you pray for confidence, this may seem to go without saying, but request boldness from God. Ask God for it. When you and I lack something, to whom should we turn? We should turn to God, right? Because he has all that we need. In fact, he doesn't just have all that we need. He has promised to give us all that we need. He doesn't just have it. He wants to share it. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Here we are with the early church. Peter and John, lead apostles, they had just been arrested, they had just been threatened, they had been questioned, they had been released and told to never do that again or else they're going to get it. And when their confidence began to lack, to whom did they turn? They turned to God and they cried out for boldness. Look at verse 29 and 30 in our text. Acts 4, 29 and 30, it says, Oh, now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Is confidence your hurdle? Then ask God to give you 
confidence. Ask God to give you boldness. Remember what the Lord's brother James taught us in James 4.2? He said, you do not have for one reason. Because you do not ask. You do not ask. And so if you desire boldness, if you desire confidence, then there's only one reason you don't have it. And that's because you've not asked God for it. Now, some of you are afraid to ask God for it (laughs) because you know you won't have an excuse anymore. I pray that you would ask for it, that you would cry out to God for it, that you would beg God for it, and he will be faithful. I promise you, church, he will be faithful to supply your every need of boldness so that you won't let anything stand in your way. When you are sharing the gospel with somebody, you will do it, man. You will knock down over, under, around, or through every hurdle that pops its head up. Finally, this morning, as you pray for confidence, finally receive God's infilling of the Spirit. You see, we're praying to God, God, give me boldness, give me confidence, and here's his answer. He sends the Holy Spirit. He pours out the Holy Spirit. He fills us up with the Holy Spirit. Look what happened when they cried out to God for confidence. Verse 31, Acts 4, 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then guess what happened, church? They continued to speak the word of God with what? Boldness. I think it's so interesting here. That God didn't just send the Holy Spirit. He shook the place. It was like an earthquake hit it. And I think that was a good reminder for them. A good experiential reminder for them. Guys, don't let people shake you. Because the God who can shake the earth is on your side. He's not only on your side. He is in you and wants to be in you more, all right? That's exactly what he's saying here. And with that, God filled him with the Holy Spirit. Beloved, this is what you and I need. We need it over and over again, especially when it comes to evangelism, right? Evangelism is a high hurdle. (laughs) It's a high hurdle. And so you need more and more of the Holy Spirit. Theologically, while we are baptized in the Holy Spirit just once, that happens at conversion when you and I are born again, when God baptizes us in the Holy Spirit, into the body. That happens once. But when it comes to being filled with the Holy Spirit, that happens many, 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 many times, right? Innumerable times. Too many times to count. And with God pouring out His Holy Spirit into us, boldness comes. Confidence comes. That's why when we need to plan, or when we plan to evangelize, we... When we plan to share the gospel, we need to be trained up. That's what Sunday morning at 9 o'clock has been about. That's been about training you up. We hope that you have learned a simple presentation to share the gospel, the three circles. That's a simple way, a relational way to share the gospel. But you don't just need to be trained up. You need to be prayed up, and you need to be filled up. You need to be filled up. And look what they did there in verse 31. We've already seen it. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. They didn't let anything stand in the way of them sharing the gospel with somebody. 
I've talked this morning about sharing the gospel. But I wonder this morning, I don't wonder, I know that there are men, women, boys and girls here this morning who need to receive the gospel. You are a sinner in need of a savior. The Ten Commandments prove that you're a sinner in need of a savior. You have lied. You have loved things other than God and more than God. You've been disobedient to parents. You've lusted. You've murdered in your heart. You've done, and we could just go through all Ten Commandments. So it's clear that you, just like every other person in this room, are a sinner in need of a Savior. And Jesus Christ came to live the life that you cannot live and to die the death that you deserve on the cross so that you could be saved. And if you'll only turn and trust in Christ this morning, you will be saved. Your sins will be forgiven. You'll have your relationship with God restored. And you will have life everlasting. You will have that resurrection hope that Peter and John were preaching that got them in trouble. If that's you this morning and you need Christ, I beg you today, repent and trust in Jesus. And for the rest of us here this morning, here's my final prayer. May there be no barrier left standing between you and sharing the gospel. Hi there, this is Pastor Ben. I have something really important to ask you, but first, I want to say thank you for taking the time to make this digital connection with us through our podcast. I hope the message you just listened to was a blessing, but an even greater blessing than this digital connection would be for you to connect with us in person this coming Sunday at one of Eastwood's two campuses where we get the joy of living life together in Jesus' name. And now for that really important question, which is the most important question you'll ever answer. Where do you stand before God? Now, based on what you've done, the straightforward answer is that you stand guilty and condemned before God. You are a sinner who completely deserves God's wrath forevermore in hell. And I deserve the same thing also. I mean, every person does. Guys, that's terrible news. And even worse is the fact that there's nothing you can do in and of yourself to change that. You need a Savior. But I have good news. God loved the world so much that He sent Jesus to be your Savior. Jesus came and lived the perfect life that you cannot live, and he stood condemned on the cross, dying the death you deserve. And three days later, Jesus was raised from the dead to prove to everybody that he is indeed the Savior of the world. And now Jesus longs to change your standing before God by making a trade with you. He desires to take what you've earned, which is the wrath of God in hell, and to give you in return what he has earned which is the blessing of God in heaven. When this trade happens, instead of standing guilty and condemned before God, you will stand forgiven and righteous with the promise of everlasting life. So what must you do to have your standing before God changed? First, admit to God you are a sinner. Second, hate your sins. Turn from them and ask God to forgive you. And finally, turn to Jesus in faith and love, putting your complete hope in Jesus' life, 
death and resurrection and follow him until the day you die. Wherever you are listening to this podcast, Jesus is ready to make this trade with you. And I pray that you would trust in Jesus and be saved. Thank you again for connecting with us. And I hope to see you soon at Eastwood Baptist Church.